Bible says in Psalm 147 and verse 1, Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God. For it is pleasant and praise is comely. That word praise there is halal. We'll spare you the the long definition, but the the quickest way to describe it to you is to, to clamorously be absolutely out of control in your pursuit of God, to lift up your voice, to change your behavior, to go after God with everything that you got. That word comely is beautiful. If it's your first time ever being at the Jesus Church, you've probably noticed that there's some people lifting their hands, lifting their voices. It is all biblical. And not only is it biblical, it's beautiful. Now, it might not look beautiful to you when I spit and shout and dance and scream and bang off of the walls, but it looks beautiful to God. And I don't really care what you think because God likes it. And I want to make him happy. And he commands me to praise him for it's good and it's comely. It's pleasant to God. It might be a racket to you when somebody's singing off key and lifting their voice with everything they got, but somehow between here and the throne of heaven, something shifts and God hears it as beautiful and pure and pleasant and comely. I give honor to this church. Thank you for being sensitive to the presence of the Lord. You may be seated today. Again, I'd like to echo Brother Flores and welcome all of our guests to the house today. If it's your first time here, I want you to feel welcome. If it's your thousandth time here, if that's even possible, I want you to feel uh, very welcome in this place. Amen. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. Amen. Thank uh the elder brother chemist, my father, uh, for that word this morning. As Brother Cluster mentioned, if you missed it, you you want to go back. Uh, you want to uh, if if you got to drive for work or you need something to listen to while you're uh, around the house doing some work, or if you just want to sit down and give it full focus, you need to go back and listen to that word from this morning. It's going to help you. It's going to guide you. And I believe it set us up for what God wants to accomplish in this house in the next few moments. I believe that before this day is out, if you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, as evidenced by speaking in other tongues, as the Spirit gives the utterance, today's your day. Today. If it's been a while since you were renewed in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and perhaps you've begun to doubt that you ever received the Holy Ghost in the first place, I'm here to tell you in the Holy Ghost, today is your day. Do not leave this place without it because God is ready to pour it out today. I believe there's somebody in this house today that is going to be healed in their body. Somebody's going to be healed in their mind today. God's going to do a work in this place. It's not because I'm special. It ain't because you're special. Though each of us is special to him, it's because that is what God desires to do for his kids. I feel to teach a little bit more today. And we're just going to share the word. And we're going to have a time to respond to the word. And we'll see what God wants to do in this house. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Everybody say the gospel. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. 
to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he, being Jesus, closed the book, gave it again to the minister or the leader of the synagogue, and he sat down. And the eyes of all that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And I stand before you in the Holy Ghost and I proclaim today that this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. The gospel's going to go to the poor. There's going to be a healing of the brokenhearted. There's going to be deliverance to the captive. There's going to be a recovering of sight to the blind, whether it's physical or spiritual. And God is going to set at liberty them that are bruised. As Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5, When we were dead in sin, hath, he hath quickened us together with Christ, or he has made us alive, made us to live again. I was dead in sin, but the gospel made me live again. He says, By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. See, you're not a beggar. You're not some low end of the spectrum, but when you become a child of God, uh, he elevates you to sit in heavenly places. You're not down in the mully grubs uh, and the gutter. You don't have to come to this altar and beg God today, uh, but you can boldly approach the throne of grace that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. It makes God so happy to shower us with his goodness and his grace. It makes God so happy to bless you and to pour out his spirit upon you. Again, you're not a beggar. God wants to do it for you. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Everybody say it's a gift. It's not of your works, lest any man should boast. Nobody in this room can save themselves. You can't pray a prayer that's going to save you apart from faith uh, and apart from God's grace. It's God's grace uh, and the operation of our faith to grab that grace that is going to save you today. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Uh, it doesn't matter what societal background you come from, uh, what race, ethnicity, or social class you fall into. The gospel is for you uh, today. For therein, uh, or in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. With your attention for the next few moments, I want to teach the gospel still works. Let's set our Bibles aside. Let's lift our hands one more time and let's tap into the presence of the Lord together. God, 
We trust you today. We come before you today, Lord, hungry and ready for you to move. Uh, Lord, if you've got a gift for me, I want that gift. Uh, I don't have to beg, but I ask boldly today, God, uh, I want everything that you've got available. Uh, I don't want to be a Christian that's missing out on this, that, or the other, but I want every promise and every word of God. Uh, I pray today, Lord, you would help Jared to disappear, uh, help Jesus to come to the forefront. Let your word flow through me today in Jesus name. Amen. Go ahead and slap your neighbor and tell him the gospel still works. Go ahead and slap him back and tell him quit hitting me. Amen. It's rare to find something 2000 years old that still works. I'm 33 years old and I'm Pretty sure I've got a hip that's starting not to work anymore. I've got a pair of AirPods from 2018 that keeps hanging on. They say the average life expectancy of a pair of AirPods was about 18 months, and mine are going strong almost four years now, so take that, Apple. I'm not buying another one, but now I've got AirPod Pros, so I guess the joke's on me. I've got a 2010 Toyota with 156,000 miles on it, and I just tore all the way back from Minneapolis last night, and that thing ran by the grace of God. We, uh, we anoint it with oil, and we pray over it about a quarter week, and we just believe that God's going to move and protect it. I'm kidding. It's actually not even burning oil. It's been a fantastic car. I bought a mug from the flea market downtown not long after we moved here, and You would think that a ceramic mug would be one of those things that you could, like, bury it and dig it up 2,000 years later, and it would still be good, right? Like, there's pottery shards from the time of Jesus Christ that they're digging up. Whole whole pieces of pottery are found all the time at archaeological sites. And so I had this this awesome, like, funnel-shaped, reverse funnel. It, like, it was was this, this... What's the word I'm looking? Cone. It was a cone with a lip on the top, and you could drink out of it. It had a handle on it. It was a a, a Posties mug, like a really old cereal. Anybody in here ever eat a bowl of Posties? Okay, it was it was at least okay. I got at least one hand, so I won't point them out. But they're sitting in the middle on the my right hand side. But so the mug was at least that old. I took it home. I washed it up. I was I like a unique coffee mug in my hand, uh, but I only got to use it for a couple of times because one day when I filled it up with piping hot coffee and and I filled it to the brim and I began to walk with this mug in my hand, it shattered in my hand. Not when I set it down, not when I bumped into something. I was holding the mug and it just disintegrated. Spilling hot coffee all over the place. I I broke down and wept just horribly because, you know, if you know my love for coffee, it was just, it was awful. There was was spilled coffee on the carpet. They say not to cry over spilled milk, but it's okay to cry over spilled coffee. I've got, come on now. All right. I've got a dog named Rocco. I should have had a picture of him up there. He's 12 years old now, 12 and a half, actually. He barely works. I mean... (laughs) I, I don't know how much longer. We've been saying this for over two years. I don't know how much longer he has in this world. But every day, he just gets back up, and he staggers his way over to the food bowl. He just has this. He, he's just going to do it. He's going to do it. 
is it's rare for an idea or a concept to last unchanged for a hundred years. If we go back a hundred years in history right now, just think about the medical world, everything that's changed over the last 100 years in the modern, in the world of medicine. 100 years ago, we were bloodletting people to get the bad blood out. Barely 100 years ago or just over 100 years ago, we finally discovered penicillin. We did not have antibiotics a hundred years ago. It was barely over a hundred years ago that the first uh, viable airplane worked and the Wright brothers were able to fly an airplane under powered flight for a tiny minuscule period of time. And now air travel safer than hopping in your 2010 Toyota and cruising across Minnesota at two in the morning. It's way safer to get in an airplane now and hurl yourself through the sky. A thousand years ago, Many were convinced that the world was flat or square. And if you think that in this room today, don't worry, God can deliver. The world ain't flat, it's round. Isaiah talks about God sitting on the circle of the earth. If you look up the word circle in the Hebrew, it refers to sphere. All the way back in the book of Isaiah, God told us the earth was a sphere. All right? Just a random thing for extra credit. They were scared in the time of Christopher Columbus in 1492 when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. They were worried that he would reach the edge of the earth and sail right off. That's incredible. That was just a couple hundred years ago. This this country that we live in was founded in 1776, and we have seen a rise. We've seen a fall begin to happen, but it feels like it's been around forever. But really, in the scope of world history, it's not been around very long. But there is something today, 2,000 plus years old, uh, and even older than that, from eternity past in the mind of God, uh, the foreknowledge of God, uh, called the gospel uh, of Christ, the good news of the gospel. And I'm here to declare today that it still works. 2,000 years later, uh, it's not an antique. uh, It's not rusty. It never needed to be restored. uh, It still functions just like it functioned uh, the very first time that it was ever called out uh, and poured out into operation. Uh, The gospel of Jesus Christ still works. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul writes and says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which you have also received, uh, and wherein ye stand, uh, by the which you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. By the way, it's possible for you to once have faith in the gospel, but to lose or to let go of that faith in the gospel and lose out on salvation. It is possible for you to let go of your faith. That's why Paul's writing to the church in Corinth and saying, if if you keep in memory what I've preached, unless it was in vain, for I delivered unto you that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is uh, 
the gospel. It is the good news. Uh, and 2,000 years later, it's still working. Uh, it's still in effect. Uh, it, back on the day of Pentecost, it transformed Peter. It transformed the other 11 apostles. Uh, it totally transformed 120 in an upper room. Uh, and it transformed 3,000 other believers that day. It transformed Paul from a murderer and a blasphemer and called him out and sanctified him and washed him and redeemed him and set him on his feet and made him the greatest apostle and evangelist that this world has ever seen. This gospel worked for my grandpa in 1970s. Uh, it pulled him out of alcoholism. Uh, it pulled him out of addiction. Uh, it washed him clean of his sins. Uh, it filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and it kept him uh, and sustained him until he died uh, in 2020. Uh, that's the power of the gospel. Uh, 43 years uh, he'd been an alcoholic. Uh, but the gospel got a hold of his life. Uh, and he lived longer free uh, from the bondage of sin uh, than he ever lived in the bound of sin. Uh, I'm talking today uh, about the gospel. Uh, it saved my mother. Uh, it pulled my daddy out of alcohol uh, and out of drugs. Uh, and it worked for my life. Uh, I wasn't always wearing a suit and tie. Uh, I wasn't born with a spiritual spoon in my mouth. Uh, I was a prodigal. I was a mess. I was a wreck. Uh, but the gospel worked. Uh, the gospel worked in my Life. And it's going to work for you today. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2. As ye therefore have received Christ. Or Jesus, Christ Jesus the Lord. So walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him. And established in the faith as you have been taught. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. By the way you cannot be a fly by night Christian. That just flits in and out every once in a while. You need to be rooted and established in the faith. Uh, you need to be taught. And when you do that, the Bible says you're going to abound therein with thanksgiving. If you'll allow roots to be planted and you'll allow a church, the body to minister you to you in the gospel, uh, you will abound and you'll have thanksgiving in your life. Paul says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and through vain deceit after the rudiments of this world, after the traditions of men and not after Christ. For in him, everybody say in him, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That is in the person of Jesus Christ. God was manifested in Jesus Christ, not a part of God, not a piece of God, but all of God was incarnated in human form uh, and walked on this earth among us. Uh, and watch this. We are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and powers. That means no matter what principality or what power might be ruling in your life right now, uh, when you obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, he becomes the head uh, of all principalities. He becomes the head uh, of all powers uh, and he can be on the throne in your life in whom you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, uh, in the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh uh, by the circumcision of Christ. Now, before the next verse comes up, don't worry. We're not going to take you in the side room and circumcise you, okay? It's not going to happen. What's he talking about? Well, the next verse tells us. Here we go. Next verse. Buried with him. Who's him? Jesus. 
You can be buried with him in baptism, wherein you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. See, when you go down in the waters of baptism, uh, that old man is cut off of you. Who you were and what you were is cut off of you, and you are risen up through faith in the operate, not by your work, uh, not by your power, but because you go into the water in faith, God will raise you up from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, you, uh, he quickened together with him, uh, having forgiven you of all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Oh, come on. I'm so thankful today uh, that every ordinance, uh, every crime, uh, every sin uh, that was recorded in the books uh, of my life, uh, Jesus Christ uh, took every single one of them uh, and he blotted them out. uh, And he said, that doesn't belong there anymore. Uh, I'll take that lying. uh, I'll take that cussing. uh, I'll take that fornication. uh, I'll take that drinking. uh, I'll take that stealing off. uh, And I'm going to nail it uh, to my cross. Romans calls in the propitiation for our sin. See, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation because uh, the gospel The gospel has power because the innocent Jesus, the perfect lamb of God, uh, he surrendered his life in your place. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, but he became our sacrifice of atonement. My sin and your sin required death and separation from God. The holiness of God demanded that he separate himself from sinful humanity. We became spiritually dead in our sins. But God, God wasn't happy with you being dead. He wanted to live with you. And he wanted to elevate you to sit in heavenly places. Romans 3 and 23 says, for all have sinned. I don't want you sitting in here today and thinking, man, this room's full of a bunch of sinners. These people are nuts. No, no, no. That's every single one of us have sinned. And it's not past tense. That verse is written in present tense. It, it actually reads, we have all sinned and are coming short of the glory of God. You see, without the grace of God every day in my life, I'm just a mess. Huh? But because I've obeyed the gospel, uh, I've got the power of God working inside of me. Uh, and by the Holy Ghost, I can overcome every temptation. I can overcome every character flaw. I can overcome everything uh, that would drag me down into my past because uh, of the gospel. He was our sacrifice of atonement. He turned away the wrath of God. The death of Jesus Christ on that cross satisfied uh, divine Justice. Something had to die for sin. And for years it was lamb uh, and sheep and goat and bull. But finally, uh, finally there was found a man uh, without sin who was willing to die. We were slaves to sin. 
hopelessly entangled, but he came and paid the price for my freedom. He came and became that kinsman redeemer that purchased me back when I was bound and I was a slave. Jesus walked into that market and he grabbed Jared and said, I'm going to buy him with my own blood. I'm going to purchase him and I'm going to cover the cost with my blood. Now, it wasn't a close fight. It didn't go 10 rounds and then go to a judge decision. No, no, no. Verse 15 of Colossians 2 says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. I'm here to tell you today the devil is not the opposite of Jesus. He's not even in the same stratosphere. He's he's not even your opposite and your equal when you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, There are people in here under the sound of my voice. uh, You've been filled with the Holy Ghost before, but you've allowed the devil to lie to you and tell you uh, that he's bigger and badder than you. Uh, But that's a lie from hell uh, because with the power of Jesus working inside of you, uh, you have more anointing. uh, You have more power in you uh, than he has. He could ever dream of greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. You are not slave to sin. You are not bound by sin unless. Unless. Unless you choose to go back to what God's already paid the price for. See, we're saved by grace through faith. We read that in Ephesians chapter 2. And many in our world today want to declare that enough and say, that's it. I'm saved by faith and think that that's the moment of salvation. But saving faith is more than mental assent. Saving faith entails an appropriation. You, You are laying hold on something and you're bringing it and applying it to your life. Saving faith comes with obedience. You can go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. It won't be on your screen, but it says, By faith, Noah built the ark. You don't swing a hammer by faith. You you don't cut down trees by faith. Right? You do that by obedience. You do that by action. But God ties obedience and faith together until saving faith has a component of obedience in it uh, that is going to appropriate the gospel that he's made available for us. Brother Bernard, rather, ooh, stumbling over my words. Brother Bernard says this, saving faith is one, the acceptance of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ as the sole means of our salvation. And two, the obedience to that gospel. The application or appropriation of the gospel. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13 says this. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe that with all of my heart. If you're going to call on the name of Jesus, Jesus is going to save you. Jesus is going to step into your situation. Jesus is going to come to your rescue. And Paul goes on and says, and how shall they Call on him whom they've not believed. And how shall they believe in him and whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I'm glad God thinks my feet are beautiful. 
Because I could put some pictures up on the screen right now that would call that into doubt. 2021 was an interesting year for my toenails. I mangled a toe. It looked like hamburger. And now I've got like old man toenails. It's fantastic. Goes well with my bald spot and the sore hip. But watch what he says in verse 16. Same conversation, same context. Everybody that calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Many stop right there. Right? But we can't stop there. We've got to take all scripture. We've got to read it in whole and in context. And then we've got to integrate it with the rest of scripture and decide what to do with it. Right? So look what he says in verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Right? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is truth. That's the word of God. But then Paul says, quoting Isaiah, but they haven't all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There is an element of saving faith that requires you to step out in obedience to the gospel. Paul wasn't the only one writing this. Peter wrote it too in 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, for the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it begin first at us, what shall the end of them be that obey not the gospel of God? Right? There's an obedience to the gospel. The gospel saves us. The gospel gives us salvation. It's the power of God. But there's an obedience to the gospel. Paul writes this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. He says, to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, today we're at a place where we can obey or we can choose not to obey. But when we choose to obey the gospel of Christ, the grace and the mercy of God rushes into our life and God begins the transformation process. The gospel becomes your salvation. The moment that your saving faith says, you know what? I realize I need a savior. I realize what his word says. Uh, and so I'm going to step out by faith. See, the gospel is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Your faith in the gospel unlocks the power of salvation. So how do I respond to the gospel in obedience. If the gospel's the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, how can I respond to that? I'm so glad you asked. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, the very first day of the church, the promise of God is poured out for the very first time. And Peter stands up with the other 11 apostles to preach. And at the end of his sermon, he points his finger at him and says, You were the ones who, this same Jesus who you crucified, God has made him both Lord and Christ. And the Bible says they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we believe? No, no, no. They asked, what do I need to do? 
So Peter answers them and he tells them the same thing that worked 2000 years ago and will work in this room today. If we'll allow it, he gives them the exact same answer how to obey the gospel. He says, we repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you. You and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Uh, go ahead and slap your neighbor and tell him it's a gift. Slap him back and tell him it's a promise. Now I want to deal with something. Obedience to the Acts 2.38 message. Obedience to the gospel, which is defined in Acts 2.38. How do we obey it? That verse tells us. It is not salvation by works. You are not saving yourself when you obey Acts 2.38. You're not. You see, we either respond to God's offer of grace with faith or obedience, or we reject it through unbelief and disobedience. God will not violate your will in this place today. If you don't want his promise, he won't hold you down and force feed it to you. You can walk out the back door without the promise, without the gift. Uh, but I believe there's somebody here today who's hearing uh, about a gift of God. Uh, and there's a curiosity and there's a hunger that's stirring inside uh, of your life. God's grace offers it to us. And by faith, we grab a hold of it and appropriate it and apply it into my life. Uh, I come by faith believing that God will forgive me of my sins when I repent. Uh, I go down in the waters of baptism. By the way, it's filled up. Uh, it's warm. We've got robes. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, uh, today uh, is your day. You can go down in the waters of baptism uh, and come out a new creature created and cleaned and cleansed in the name of Jesus. But it's not the work of baptism that saves you. If you try to do that by works apart from faith, it's impossible. All you're doing is getting wet. We could throw some soap in there, scrub a dub dub, grab the toilet brush, get you real cleaned up nice. But it doesn't matter what we put in the water. It doesn't matter where the water came from. That came from a hose in the other room. It's your faith in the name of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross that saves. It's your faith uh, that washes away sins uh, when you're responding to the grace of God. Uh, and it's your faith. It's your faith uh, that God will fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, when you come down to the front and you've repented of your sins uh, and you lift your hands and you begin to praise him. Uh, you're not the one uh, who begins to fill yourself. That's not a work, uh, but it is a promise and it is a gift. And God uh, wants to give it to you today. So Peter standing with the 11, I hurry to a close because I, I, don't, I don't want to take too long here. Peter stands with the 11. He uses the keys to the kingdom. He got them in Matthew chapter 16 from Jesus himself. He opens the door to salvation. Acts 2.38 is all of the accept statements of Jesus compiled into one verse. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus, this won't be on your screen. But in Luke chapter 13, Jesus says twice, except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. 
In John chapter 3, Jesus says in John 3 and 3, except a man be born again, he won't enter the kingdom of God. In John 3, 5, he says, except... uh, There's a lot of talk about accepting Jesus as our Savior, and that's good, and that's right. And if that's where you're at in your salvation journey, then I'm thankful for it, and I celebrate with you. But uh, there's more for you, and you can have it today. You can have it now. Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he won't see the kingdom of heaven. And so Peter compiles all those teachings of Jesus and throws it at the crowd in one verse. Romans, are we doing okay? All right, awesome. Romans chapter 6 and verse 3 says this. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That just like Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. See, when you go down in the waters of baptism today, you can expect to come up out of the waters of baptism and lift your hands and walk in newness of life as the Spirit of God fills you from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head and you begin to speak in a heavenly language that you've never learned before. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. I want to walk in resurrection power. I want to walk with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It wasn't just an Acts chapter 2 experience. It was an Acts chapter 8 experience. Philip goes to Samaria. He preaches the gospel. It's well received. There are healings. Demonic forces are cast out of people. The Bible records that there's great joy in the city uh, because you'll leave with peace and joy when you are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Romans chapter 14 and verse 17 says the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Uh, And so Peter and John or they're baptized in Jesus name and word gets back to Jerusalem and Peter and John come to Samaria and they take one look around and they're celebrating the revival with Philip, but they realize there's something still missing. You see, they believed, they repented, they were baptized, but there was still something missing in the salvation process that was important enough for Peter and John to come down and say, hey, we got to take care of this. And so the Bible says that they laid hands on them and they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius. Listen to what the Bible says about Cornelius. He was a devout man. He feared God with all his house. He gave alms to the poor and prayed to God always. Man, I hope in the pages of heaven, that's what it says about me. That's a good dude right there. We find out later in the passage, he was a faster. He abstained from food to draw closer to God. He was that devoted to God. He was a man of worship. He fell at the feet of Peter wanting to worship him. But he still wasn't. Saved. That doesn't lessen his value in the sight of God, nor does it lessen the value of any person in this room. You can be a devout Christian. You can be a devout follower. You can fear God with all your heart. But God looks at Cornelius and says, that's so beautiful, buddy. I I love you so much. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you to hear the gospel. So he sends for Peter. The angel tells him, send for Peter. He will tell you what you need to do. 
Not what you need to believe, what you need to do. So Peter comes in. He preaches Jesus. And look what happens in Acts chapter 10 and verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, or of the Jews, which believed were as astonished as many as came with Peter. Because that on the Gentiles, that's you and I, was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And how did they know that it was poured out? How did they know if it's just something intangible that happens in a moment and nobody knows? No, no, no. They knew in verse 46 because they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. There's a sign that God gives us by his grace uh, as we surrender ourselves to him totally, completely and fully in worship. And we have surrendered to him. The Bible says the tongue can no man tame. It's a world of iniquity. It's set on fire of hell, uh, except for when God moves into your heart uh, and you've surrendered everything to him. God, uh, as you yield, flows through your tongue uh, and you will speak in a heavenly language that you've never spoken in before as God fills you with his spirit. So Peter says, can we forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost like as we? He commanded them, be baptized in the name of the Lord. They prayed him to tarry certain days. One more portion of scripture and then we're done. Let's all stand together. That'll give you hope. Acts chapter 19. I just want to demonstrate something here. We are at least a decade or more separated from the Acts 2 experience. All right? We've moved at least 10 years into the church history, probably closer to 20 years. And Paul, in Acts chapter 19, he passes through the upper coasts of Asia. He comes to Ephesus. He finds certain disciples. They're devout followers. And he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost 
since you believed. And they said unto him, we've, we've not even heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. So I ask you the same question today. I'm thankful that you believe. I'm so happy you're here. I want you to be here every single Sunday. There's a place for you at the Jesus Church. But have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, or Paul says to them then, whoa, 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 hold on now. Well, then how were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they which believe on him, that should, or that they should believe on him which would come after him, that is Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And I believe God wants to do the exact same thing here today. Why? Because the gospel still works. You can walk in totally bound by sin and walk out freed, delivered, and set free. You can walk in blind and begging spiritually, but you can walk out with a crown and a robe and a new name as the son or daughter of God.